Hello and welcome to this podcast and video presentation from Your Family Through Time. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Sarah and I'm a genealogist and family historian. You can find out more about the research services I offer at my website www.yourfamilythroughtime.co.uk. Are you thinking about starting your family history but not sure where to begin? One of the things I most regret is not recording the stories my grandfather, pictured here with my grandmother, used to tell us when my brother and I were, were children. But as is often the case, as children we don't think about our family history, and it's often once it's too late that our interest is sparked. I'd therefore suggest the best place to start is with what you know or think you know about your family members and ancestors, and what other members of your family, your parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, etc. know. Ask them about their life and their parents and grandparents. Ask them if they hold any family records and photos and get copies from them. Have they conducted any research? And if so, you do need to check the accuracy. So what's the best way to record your family history? Firstly, ask questions. Use a dictaphone or mobile recording app or device um, to record their stories as they're telling them to you so that you can transcribe them later verbatim. Write their stories as soon as possible. Use timelines, topics, time periods, etc. Incorporate local, country, world events to put their life into context such as wars, inventions, political events, discoveries, etc. Research the area and properties in which they lived, their neighbours, any friends that they might, might mention, their schooling, etc. Photographs, records, memorabilia, heirlooms are all helpful in telling their stories and may themselves create a mini-story of their own. Photos can usually be dated by experts through the styling, clothing, etc in photos, especially of those in military uniforms. And this can be very useful in identifying regiments. Once you've got some basic information, you might want to think about organising your research. Yes, that's before you start. You need to decide who you're going to start with. How are you going to research the family? Per generation, sur surname, bloodline, siblings, etc. What do you want to know? It's amazing how easy it is to get distracted and take your research off on a tangent. Family history is very addictive. Most people are likely to start with a subscription website, largely because you can search a variety of record sets in one place, such as births, marriages, death records, census returns, etc. Which one do you use? Ancestry is perhaps the best known website because it's because of its sponsorship of TV programmes and TV advertising. However, there are several other websites available, such as Find My Past, The Genealogist and My Heritage. And they've all got differing levels of subscriptions, which can be either UK based, worldwide, etc. And they all cost um, different amounts and you can pay monthly or annually. With most sites, you can try before you buy with a free trial period, usually about 14 days. This gives you limited access to essential records such as births, marriages and deaths and census returns. This might be helpful in um, deciding which site you prefer. There's also the free site, Family Search, 
which is a service provided by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and can provide a good starting point for family history research. Although, in my opinion, it's a bit more clunky to use than the subscription websites, but it's still a great source for records and is, has worldwide coverage. All these websites have the ability to build your family tree online, which can be made either public so that other people can view the information in it or private and private bases can often be either searchable or not searchable by other people. But you've got to be aware of these online trees. The information might not always be correct. Check where they've taken the information from. Is it corroborated with documents? It's usually better to conduct your own research, but online, other people's online trees can be useful for cross-checking. Also be aware of using hints. Um, they may need to be sifted through to find your ancestors and might not, in fact, be the correct people. Do not automatically accept them. Be open-minded because you never know what you might find. So, you've spoken to your relatives and recorded what they know about your ancestors. Now you want to take it further. <clears throat> so what are the basic records to start your family history research, um, assuming you're starting in the 19th or 20th century? Well, you're going to be looking at birth certificates, marriage certificates, death certificates and census returns in the main. So what are birth, marriage and death certificates? These are the formal certificates that you obtain from the General Registry Office. Most um, may also, they may also be available from local offices and um, churches, especially for marriages. They provide evidence of the date the event took place for an individual. They often provide other extremely useful information such as parentage, occupations, spouses, witnesses, children, um, particularly where um, a child's death has been registered. might give the um, parents names. They also give locations and ages, etc. They provide the names and other useful information for the early generations, which may help identify a member of a family, particularly where there's more than one person in a location with the same name. They can also identify the correct generation, where the same name is used across several generations of a family. Generally, they cost £11 for paper copies. Um, for births for between 1837 and 1913, and deaths between 1837 and 1957, you can also get PDF copies um, from the General Register Office. They're available for a cost of £7. But beware, because they can't be used for legal purposes. But if you're just researching your family history and that's the only purpose, then they, they're useful for that. And keep your costs down. Um, they can be searched using the general register of indexes uh, for each type of the record available. And these can be searched on the general register office website itself where births and deaths are searchable only and they can be searched for plus or minus two years for the, from the year that you're looking for, looking at. Marriage, marriage um, records can't be marriage indexes, sorry, can't be searched on the GRO website though. The free BDM website can be searched for, for births, marriages, and deaths, 
um, and a much wider period can be used for searching. They can be searched by county and registration district. So check the registration district as the boundaries, boundaries have moved over time. If no entry is found, you could always check the neighbouring districts, particularly if they lived on or near a border. They could be registered in a neighbouring area. Also check districts where parents were born or grandparents lived if they were different. Um, a mother may have gone home to have a child or they may have registered it in um, the area where they where the parents or the grandparents grew up for some reason. It might have been a tradition of the family. Um, <clears throat> index entries on the GRO website give the mother's maiden name. So if you've got the details of any siblings, um, it's, it can be worth checking for their records in the indexes to cross-check the mother's maiden name. Remember, whilst registration, sorry, whilst civil registration was introduced in 1837, registration of births was not compulsory until 1874. That is, there was no penalty for failing to register before that date, or a year, and therefore. Um, a birth might not be registered before this time. If you can't find an entry and it's before 1874, try searching for a baptism record, but of course not, ev not everyone was baptised. If you still can't find anything, um, it could be there simply is no contemporaneous record for a date of birth. However, depending on when they were born, <clears throat> they might be fine. you might find them in the 1939 register which does provide a date of birth, although they're not always accurate, so use with caution. If you want to find out more about the 1939 register, um, you, can look at me, you can look at my blog or um, listen to my podcast on that subject. Sometimes a birth certificate doesn't include a father's name, so how could he be identified? Well, you could look for the, a marriage certificate for um, the ancestor's mother, she may have later married the father. You could look at the marriage certificate for the ancestor in question. Is the father named? This could, of course, be a fictitious name or um, could be a stepfather. Children, particularly boys, were often given the father's name or surname as a middle name. And this is particularly useful if the mother later married um, or was living with somebody with that surname or indeed um, somebody with that surname was a neighbour. Um, this happened in um, <clears throat> the case of my maternal great-grandfather. <clears throat> he was given the um, surname of his, of who turned out to be his father, as a middle name. And that was discovered through DNA. Looking at census returns, who was the mother living with just before the birth? Or who's the mother and the child living with in the first census following the child's birth? You can also look at parish records and workhouse records. These can often identify paternity, depending on the years concerned. Um, DNA can be used to identify a, a potential father. Baptism records, they can oft often name a father. Um, and birth records for siblings who may have had the same father. Um, so what are census returns? These are the next set of records that you're likely to be using for 19th and 20th century research. 
The National Archives website describes census returns as a headcount of everyone in the country on a given day. They've been taken every 10 years in England and Wales and separately in Scotland since 1801, with the exception of 1941 during the Second World War. However, the census returns for 1931 were unfortunately destroyed in the Second World War. They were taken to provide information about the population as a whole, and in theory, they list everyone by name wherever they happen to be on census night. But not everyone can be found, or at least found where you would expect them to be. So why might an ancestor not be found in the census returns? Well, they may have moved away from the area, so try searching neighbouring areas or, or the whole county or country even. They may be away on business. Think about their occupation and where they um, that may have taken them. For example, an agricultural labourer may be working away on a farm, so you might find them are recorded at their place of work. A travelling salesman may be away selling his goods, so you might find him in a lodgings house or something like that. Soldiers and sailors are often missing if they're not at home on um, the night of the census, but they should be recorded in um, the military census returns. Look at the wider search results on the subscription websites. Um, search more than one website. That you might find them on one website but not on another, not on another um, largely because of transcription errors, which I'll come to in a minute. Um, they, may have gone, they may have gone abroad. Search passenger lists. Some of these are available online, depending on the period, although after 1890 they tend to be available at the National Archives. Does the census exist? <clears throat> Check the National Archives website to see what census returns are missing. Not all of them have um, made it into the 20th century. Um, for example, many census returns for, the 18, for 1861 are missing. Um, in a research project for a client that I conducted recently, um, I couldn't find any of their, their ancestors um, who were living in various parts of London in the 1861 census. And when I checked, um, they were the parts of, of the census returns which were missing. And tri transcription errors, which I just mentioned before, um, they could have been missed when the census was indexed online. Uh, their name could have been mistranscribed. Always check the original document. Um, if you want to know more about census returns, you could visit my blog and or podcast on the subject, which is available on my website. I'm talking more about transcription errors and um, why your ancestors might not be found in any record, really not just census returns, you've got to consider other ways in which your name was spelt. Spelling didn't become standardised until the late 19th century when education became more widespread and even then variants of spelling can still be found, even today. A variant is an alternative of a surname. So when researching, think about how the name sounds and unusual ways that um, it could have been spelt. Common spelling variants can include um, W's for V's, G, J and Y's could be mixed up, T and D's are obviously uh, sometimes interchanged, and the interchangeable um, vowels, so 
O and U, A, E, I, etc. Also, I and Y are often um, mixed up or used variously. <clears throat> Names are often spelled differently in different documents or with even within the same documents. Um, where they've been written by different individuals. This is often due to location, accent, mishearing, mistranscribing. It could even result in the wrong name being, being recorded. Many surnames have common roots, often based on a family's location or a person's occupation, nickname. And many names were passed down through the generations. For example, the eldest child or the eldest son would be given the paternal grandfather's name, second, second son would be given the maternal grandfather's name, the third given the paternal great-grandfather's name, and so on. Um, if you'd like to know more about surname development and variants, um, my next blog will be just on just that subject. So there are some common mistakes or errors that beginners make. Yes, we've all made them. Um, how can these be avoided? Well, Firstly, beware of online family trees. The information might not always be correct. I've already mentioned this. Um, check where they've taken the information from and is it corroborated with documents? It's usually better to conduct your own research, um, but online trees can be useful for cross-checking. Beware if you're using websites such as Ancestry, Find My Past, etc. You may need to sift through numerous records and they hint at being your ancestors to make sure that they are the correct ones. Don't automatically accept a hint. Don't assume what you've been told by family members um, and family stories, that, sorry, that family stories are correct. Be prepared to find information which might not be comfortable to accept or might not fit the known or believed history of your family. Beware that research, researching your family history is not as easy as it may appear from the popular television programmes and that brick walls are much more common than one might think. Not all our ancestors complied with paperwork and not all may be found where we think they should be. Organise your research. Paper records can be organised in many ways but however you do it, keep it consistent. You could organise it by surname, family group, couples, etc. It's entirely up to you. We all have our own systems. You could use online trees such as um, those available on Ancestry, Find My Past, My Heritage, Family Search, etc. The Genealogist website has its own um, online tree system called Tree Vault. Uh, yeah, and you can also purchase purchase specialist software such as Family Historian which links to Find My Past and My Heritage websites, Family Tree Maker which links to Ancestry and Family Search websites and there's also Roots, Roots Magic and Legacy amongst others. Are you struggling with your research? When is it time to commission a professional genealogist to add to your ancestral research? Well time, it's our job. So we have the time to concentrate on your research rather than you spending endless hours of your precious spare time. But of course, it's many people's hobbies. Professionals um, 
as professionals, we undertake and understand unforeseen circumstances or complications which can occur during research. And most of us will have a standard toolbox to resolve these. It can be cost saving. Um, most genealogists have subscriptions to numerous um, search sites which can save you the cost of subscribing. And this might mean that we've got access to a larger range of records than you um, might otherwise have um, if you're only searching on one website. You might not want to subscribe to a website. The cost of travel to archives. Once you get beyond the um, 19th century, um, many records are available at the archives rather than online. People tend to assume that most family history can be done online, but there's an awful lot of other records available at the archives which can um, help confirm and take your family tree further. Using a professional who knows the archives and has easy access to them can help with that. Specialist knowledge of an area or records which can help identify local or specialised records to help your research. Breaking down brick walls using skills which can often only be developed by education, such as academic and practical use. If you're struggling and need a professional genealogist, why not contact me to see how I can help your research. My details are on the screen and um, thank you for listening. <laughs>